Ken and Michael back for another episode of A Shot of Business Central and a Beer, the one and only podcast made specifically for Business Central enthusiasts who want the latest news and app and feature reviews while learning a little bit about beer reviews in the process. <laughs> We're starting off on a good note today by laughing, so that's good. Uh, today's podcast, uh, we're actually going to even take a little step back, speaking of beer, and we're going to look at and talk about all the uh, beers that we've drank over the, the the history of the podcast. We're going to re- review them, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Hey, Michael. How you doing? Yeah. We're going to see about see how stupid our ratings were over the years and how uh, we yeah. rated different things compared to other things. Yes. Yeah. And shockingly, I think we've rated pretty close. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Also, we've got a special guest today, and uh, she happens to also be the person who brought the beer in. Hello, Miss Deandra Wolf. How are you? And what good. did you bring in today for us? Um, I brought in Into the Sun from Moore Brewing in Huntley. Oh, nice. A local brew straight from the brewery. Yep. Huh? And I, I have to admit, I've already started drinking. <laughs> As have I. And I like it. It is a, a dry hopped wheat ale with blood orange. What is blood orange? It's just another way for saying orange flavoring. I think it's a type of orange, right? Yeah, like I think a, it's like, like a bigger. small little. Oh, it's an actual orange. No, strong our orange. blood orange is Are bigger they bigger? Than... Sure. I think so. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> your word for it. they're very deep red in the inside. Right. Yeah. Blood. Is that a grapefruit? <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds sure. like a grapefruit. Yeah, maybe it's like a hybrid kind of between. Imagine a grapefruit and an orange. That had a baby. Compared, yeah. Genetically modified. There you go. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I've never had this beer before. I like it too so far as well, but I guess we're going to be giving our ratings. uh, I like it. It's like a, like it has like a, a, like a normal wheat beer, but then the blood orange gives it like a little sweetness at the end. Just a little bit. Yeah. Kind of a nice aftertaste. Mm -hmm. You don't get that bitter aftertaste that yes. you get with some ipas <laughs> that use mosaic hops absolutely over the top at the end yeah. um, it actually reminds me a little bit of a, a more hoppy blue moon right so when i drink blue moon i put the orange in it so yeah. this is kind of like blue moon with the orange but still has a little bit a little bit more hoppy yeah. uh, flavor blue moon turbo yeah not so bad. to speak yeah unfortunately i went out there not very many uh, ratings on this it's a local brew i think it's Probably relatively new, maybe not, but um, yeah, there weren't many ratings out there, so we can't really uh, go look at some of the silliness that that's goes on online uh, to talk to describe the beer. Yeah. Um, but I thought we could talk a little bit about because it, it points out. I mean, they're very clear that this is a dry hopped wheat ale, and you're like, oh, dry hopped. Oh, that must be fancy, right? Marketing tactic. It's, That's what I think. It's stump Michael time. <laughs> oh, here we go. Our oh, most oh, beers, oh, our most beers, or most hops, wet hopped or dry hopped? Okay, so if they're pointing out that this is dry hopped, I'm going to say most are wet hopped. False. You're False? wrong. Yeah. At least they're pointing out that. Most hops are dried. Really? So, however, the, the dry hopped, when it talks about a, the beer, a little kind of a trick question sorry all right the the when it says dry hopped wheat ale what that typically refers to is when they put the hops in during the brewing process okay so they're putting it in late okay so late in the process um so like during the uh towards the very end whereas wet hopped they put them in while the initial boil is going on. Yeah. And it's got to be a noticeable flavor. What's odd is you would assume that the wet hopped, if they're adding them earlier in the boil process, that that would add more flavor. Yeah. It's It's actually the opposite. Really? So, yeah, putting the hops in during the boil, it's a a, uh, more nuanced flavor, less bold. but when you when you dry hop it, meaning putting it putting the hops in at the end, you, you end up with that with more uh, hoppy flavor. So, so I guess I'm that's sure. why they want to point out that it's dry hop because it's supposed to be yeah. more hoppiness. I like I it. Do you know of any wet hop beers off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. No, you could have stumped Ken. 
No? Yeah, you should, <laughs> Trying to compare you should have used that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it, though. It's got a fruity flavor. It's not bad. It's a good summer beer, I'd say. Yeah, it is. All right. Let's go through and let's see if we can find some wet hops. Beers. Oh, uh, yeah, beers. these are these are ones that you would know. Mother's Harvest, Harvest Ale, Hop Knife. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's much of a difference, uh, but a lot of all these point out that they're wet hopped. So, hmm. I wonder what. Yeah, I wonder what a big wet hop we'll beer to is. Try a wet hop next time, but yeah, maybe I've never heard of it. There's a Three Floyds wet hop. Is there? Zombie dust. <laughs> Brewdew. Brewdoo? Mm -hmm. Oh, Three Floyds Brewdoo. Yeah, mm -hmm. I saw that. Yeah. You're a Three Floyds fan or have it? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale oh. come, pops up as a wet, under the wet hopping, uh, wet hopping page. So, well, we'll figure it out. So, uh, so yeah, towards the end of the episode, we're going to go through and we'll give this beer a rating. Yep. And then we're going to go back. You've compiled our list of all of our ratings. Mm -hmm of all episodes yep and the average rating in the beer and we're going to find out yeah who's who's got the higher average rating what was the highest rated the lowest rated <laughs> look for anomalies do some data mining and see what we can uh we'll see what we can discover chart. there all right all right so next up then we're going to be talking about the shot at business central so we're going to be bringing some uh some good news for for everybody to listen to let's get excited Hey everybody, welcome back to a shot of Business Central and a beer, and this is the shot segment. So what's new with Business Central? Uh, first main thing here, we have a another monthly update. Uh, just deployed to Business Central online environments at the very end of September, which is version 18.5. Uh, so included in 18.5, there's 10 platform hotfixes. 55 application hotfixes, and then 10 uh, localization hotfixes across 10 countries. There's two for the US uh, included in there. And there's also one new feature uh, that they deployed as part of 18.5, which is extension validation on upgrade. So what this does is this is a validation service that will validate apps, um, different aspects about them on each tenant. Um, including whether dependencies have been provided, compiling of the code, schema changes that might be broken or duplicate IDs. Um, and it says initially validation will be triggered on upgrade and only proceed if passing validation. So I think what they're trying to do is be more proactive in capturing potential issues mm -hmm. that might prevent uh, a new upgrade. update from being deployed successfully. Yeah. It's funny because when I saw this, you know what it was with the release for the feature change, the extension validation on upgrade. I immediately thought that this had been released in a previous version for some reason. I don't know if they had talked about it maybe before, uh, yeah. but I thought that it was already there. Maybe when they redid the admin center, you know, and gave the uh, the update to that. I but, agree with you. I thought the same thing when I saw it. I'm like, huh. I thought this was already out there, but um, yeah. So maybe they made some tweaks to it. Who knows? Yeah, it could, but, that could be. That could definitely be. Yeah, if it works, it should be a great feature. <laughs> yep. What do you have? Do you have any updates for us? I do. So Ken actually passed along an email, I want to say a week or two ago, about this uh, new commerce experience from Microsoft. And when I opened up the email, you know, he's like, oh, there's some changes or whatever, but not too much. Maybe this one, you know, will apply to us. And I opened up the document. And the document was 111 pages long. Now, this is mostly <laughs> for, for Business Central partners. Correct. Right? Yeah, this is for the CSP, really, is what it yeah, is. So for, they're going to update the CSP. So listen, Microsoft Cloud Solution Provider Program, yeah. CSP. CSP. Look at yeah. you with your acronyms. Yeah, yeah. I actually call it Partner Center. <laughs> so I don't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. All right. But anyway, so, sorry. No, no I'm worries. Distracting you. So according to Microsoft, partners will have the opportunity to build and deliver more managed services, expand your customer base, and help guide your customers through their transformational journey to the cloud. What it means is, I guess, uh, greater sales agility and customer commitment, which, okay, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, operational efficiency and cost savings, and you know, you got more choices for customers. 
which I'm interested to see is how customers are going to have more choices available to them in the CSP because they really don't transact in the CSP that I know of, right? No, it's partners, right? That's right. what I'm saying. It's more for partners and how partners can manage their uh, Dynamics 365 and Office 365 environments. Mm -hmm. I did see a couple changes though um, that actually were where they're trying to like to make to make things simpler. I, I, I did scan through the 120 page document or whatever it was. And uh, there was one where it says they're, they're actually going to limit a couple things. Like one was they're going to limit, like if you if you cancel a subscription X days after the start of the period, yes. you you don't get like a full credit for that number of days. Right. Right. There's um, going to be an enforced cancellation policy. Enforced. There you go. That's, that's nice. Yeah. What's interesting too, though, is that uh, they are going to do a premium price monthly term subscription that allows cancellations or seat count reduction as needed. But also, where is it at? Where is it at? They're offering, I think I read somewhere that they're offering yearly subscriptions. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. So some new, some additional options in terms of pricing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Annual subscriptions yeah. Uh, and some other stuff that you can do. Um, and I think they're adding a couple things to it too, and how how you can, like what what you can offer through there and how it's offered. But um, yeah, there's tons of details. Right, and it's going to be for pretty much everything, right? Dynamics 365 right now, and I I read in the future Microsoft 365 will be incorporated into it as well. Yeah, but yeah, and ultimately, if if you are a business central partner, I know you know if you a lot of people have like on premise. Uh, licensing and revenue and everything. Mm -hmm. I also believe there's part of that is the plan is to migrate all of that into mm -hmm. CSP uh, so that you kind of have all of that recurring and license revenue. You can transact lic software licensing also through CSP, yep. I believe, as, as well. And also, they're doing a promotion, which I don't know how it's going to work, but it says new commerce transactions of seat based offers will be available in October 2021. To help you transition customers to the new commerce experience, two introductory promotions will be available between October 1st and March 31st um, for direct bill and indirect providers transacting in, in the CSP. So I went to the promotions page in the CSP and uh, it says promotions are available, exclamation point, but they're not showing. <laughs> stay tuned. So stay tuned, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But. Uh, you know, to me, all of this is like it's just another day in the life, right? Like new changes, improvements, things that we're that things that we have to adjust to and adapt to, and yeah. we'll figure it out. Somewhere along the line, though, Microsoft has to stop changing so much stuff. No, right? No, no. Like we're getting rid of customer source. It's going into partner center, and, in, and this page is gone. That page is gone. It's in my years, uh, the change only accelerates. The it, pace, it the does, pace of yeah. change only Always accelerates. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Look at the CSP or partner center, whatever you want to call it now, in the last two years. Yeah. It's crazy what, what's on there. Yeah. I would imagine that pretty soon um, you'll be buying on premise uh, licenses through it. I think you will be. I think you're right. And then they'll get rid of the Microsoft Partner Source Business Center. <laughs> one day. One day, one day. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. All right. Ken, I know you want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Directions coming or not directions? Uh, Navlog Summit. Yeah, just uh, just a little just a little pro promo here. Just uh, you know, next couple of weeks we've got the Business Central User Group Summit, Dynamic Communities uh, hosting it in Houston, October 12th through the 15th. So I'm heading down there, doing a couple sessions, meeting with a few uh, app developers while I'm down there. So hopefully I'll learn some stuff, uh, talk to some people. Maybe we'll set up some interesting guests for some future podcasts. And DeAndre is going to be building a virtual brewing company. <laughs> Maybe not virtual, but you're going to be trying to. Yeah, the dynamic it. brewing company. Yeah. We're going to be using many, the business central manufacturing, assembly, and jobs to, to, to do everything we need to do to get that brewery up and running. Sounds so, interesting. Should be a fun session. Looking forward to it. I just don't know if I can actually drink beer during the session while I'm leading it. <laughs> But we're gonna find out if that's allowed or not. <laughs> you know, walk in with your own keg and put it yeah. in the corner. <laughs> Every beer, correct beer answer for, a good, beer a good for everyone. Everybody hey, has a good question. You know, it's like, uh, what do you, what, what do they say? Uh, I'd rather uh, beg forgiveness than ask for permission. Yeah, Is there that? you go. It's exactly true. Yep. So, 
what's the worst could happen? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, it should be good. Um, I think they're doing some uh, for people that maybe aren't comfortable with going to an in-person event or they can't go for some reason. Uh, they're, they are adding a little bit more virtual stuff and a virtual option so you can oh, attend really? the conference. But they're very adamant that it is an in-person event. It's not a virtual event. It is an in-person event, and that is the plan. But I believe they are making some uh, accommodations for uh, people who want to attend virtually. Yeah, and I heard that they have an extra, let's call it expo hall, and a building next to the building that it's in if they have to space people out more, depending on how many people show up or whatnot. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So. All right, what are we talking about next, that's, Ken? That's it for the news. I think uh, next we're going to hit a little recap of our of our earlier this month uh, interview that we did with Mike Morton, the general manager of Microsoft Dynamics Business Central. All right, so Ken and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, our Mike Morton interview that we did. Mike Morton is the general manager of Business Central at Microsoft. And uh, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure your beer's full, hit pause on the podcast, go out, go to our YouTube page, go to our website, and listen to the Mike Morton interview. It's very beneficial. Mike offered a lot of insights. Uh, he gave some stories, answered a bunch of our questions, so you'll, you'll, you'll definitely like it. Then come back and listen to this part of the, the podcast. Nice spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they consider it a spoiler alert, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so first and foremost, you know, we'd like to say thanks to Mike Morton for, for actually agreeing to be on the podcast and, and, and uh, you know, dropping his knowledge about Business Central and, and, and the vision and what's happening with it and, and whatnot. Um, Ken, did you find anything interesting that maybe you didn't know about? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, felt like, I kind of felt like in general, I kind of felt like it was our Super Bowl. Yeah, you know? for us it is, yeah. Like, uh, you know, Mike Morton, very influential person in terms of Business Central, the future direction of the product, how the development team goes about figuring out what new features to include, right? I mean, he's, you know. Uh, he's the man. He's got yeah. all the answers to every question. Absolutely. So it, so it was pretty exciting. Um, I think in general, you know, he, he, he confirmed a lot of the stuff that, you know, we talk about and uh, it's very gracious uh, spending his time with us and answering our questions. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, a couple things that that stuck out to me was um, I, I like bell bottoms are going to come back in the style before on premise. Right. <laughs> They're already on their way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, think, I think we knew that. Right. Um, there's a couple things that stuck out to me. One is, uh, you know, he, he used the word delightful. In describing, you know, Business Central Online, um, yeah. and kind of just describing like the simplicity of it and some of the features and functionality. Mm -hmm. um, so that that stuck out to me. Um, and then um, one of the things that he said, which which I I, I kind of you know really agree with, um, is he said I, re I I sort of reject the notion that sophisticated capabilities. Uh, can exist in a simplified user experience. Yep. Right. And that's, I call it that's because making it elegant. It, right. Yeah. Elegant software is really complicated, but it, it seems simple to mm -hmm. a user. That's what makes software elegant. Yeah. I think it would be a really good poll to put up to see if what what other business central users and partners think about the actual simplification of of business central and whether it's too much, too quickly, yeah. or you know if they like it or whether or not they don't um but he's right though just because it's easy to use doesn't mean that it's it's feature lacking right you know actually right. it's not yeah actually the simpler something imagine like uh like if you're using power bi with business central uh and you can go you know one of the features in power bi you can go ask it questions mm -hmm. like type in a question what was my what was what which item had the greatest sales last year yeah. right you just type that question in and it returns the result that is simple yet technologically really powerful, yeah. right? Uh, a feature. It's the power of artificial intelligence, which right. I also think that he alluded to a lot was that, I mean, regardless whether people want it or not, the the uh, integration of artificial intelligence is coming. 
So you like robots? <laughs> I just watched iRobot the other day. So oh my god, iRobot is the future. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I think that's good. I also I also liked when he was talking about they want to make all the business apps something that people want to when they come to work they want to be excited to use these apps. So I don't know if that means they're going to try to add more. I don't know collaboration with sort of games or point systems. Maybe I don't. I don't know how do you make it more exciting for people to want to use. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I cool. mean, for people who do it, we like the new features or whatnot, and right. I guess users do too if it affects them. But yeah, I guess we'll have to stay tuned. He made a reference in in one of the we were talking about some like what I think you asked him like what new give give us some hints what new features are coming out, <laughs> and he didn't want to share too much, which I, I <laughs> knew that was going to happen, but. Um, he said so there was something coming out that was going to make basic navigation and viewing of data easier. Yeah. And, and some things that, you know, once it's there, people are going to wonder why you didn't have it forever. Yeah. So that means it's that's, right in front of our face exciting. and we're not realizing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what, what are they, what are they working on? Right. Like, yeah. like what how is it's not always there? Exactly. Right? What did they, what did we do before this existed? Right. You know, which kind of goes back to simplification, right? They're making something a lot simpler that we, Right, we should already know about, but we don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. So yeah, the, the Mike talked about a lot of a lot of good stuff. So I also I also like that uh, he knows the the faults. Let's say with AppSource, you know, obviously there's a lot of good things about AppSource, but there's some bad things. Yep. And he said that he would anticipate it being changed in the future. But uh, they've been. I think he, I think he even said that we've been saying that it's coming in a year, and it was like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see. we'll see. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, so overall, I, it was really great. Um, you know, and, you know, maybe if I could have, a, you know, a, a wish, it would be that maybe we, we, we have Mike on once a year, you know, and uh, maybe we'll follow up with him next year and hopefully he'll come back and join us and we'll be able to yeah. know, talk about what's going to be new next year. Maybe right before the release wave two talk about all the yep. all the different things but yeah we, we touched on a lot of stuff you know the future future versions products app source how they decide what new features uh, get put into place um i like the frequency of updates yeah i like the the story he told about uh he was just about to get introduced as the uh general manager of business central and he he just downloaded the app on his phone the day before oh yeah and he was he was wondering uh, i wonder i I hope they don't know that I'm doing this the day before. And Ken jumped in and he's like, you know, they do know. <laughs> <laughs> They're tracking <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that was fun. And um, although we didn't uh, get his, a favorite beer out of him, we did get a new sidecar that we weren't to really, uh, I'm sorry, a new cocktail that he yeah. enjoys that we weren't familiar with, which I just ruined. It's just the sidecar. <laughs> Um, cognac drink, right? Cognac, um, triple sec, and lemon juice, or like, or or a Cointreau, um, like an orange liqueur. Yeah. And if you happen to watch the podcast on YouTube, it'll tell you what's exactly in the uh, sidecar drink and how to mm -hmm. make it. So, I wouldn't be surprised if in a future episode we'll you and I are drinking sidecars, buddy. Yeah. I'll try it out. Yeah. Why not? Something different. <laughs> Give it a shot. But uh, let's see what else there's anything to talk about here. Um, not too much. I mean, simplification. Yeah. I would say that's the theme of the future, right? Simplification and, and maybe artificial intelligence. Yeah. Implement it, you know, um, deploy it faster and easier, implement it faster and easier, and run it and maintain it, right? Faster and easier. That's kind of the, the theme. So, yeah, and don't even think about the 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 deployment of it, right? The the architecture, the back end, the service, the performance. Mm -hmm. Those are things that people shouldn't even have to think about. Yeah, I, I've always looked at Business Central, which is kind of weird. Is is sort of like your phone, right? Business Central is your phone, and then you can customize your phone how you want through all the different apps or whatnot. And it seems like yeah, they're actually, you know, they're progressing so fast, so quickly over the last couple of years that. It's yeah, it's, it's it's great. I mean, I honestly say like I, you know, sometimes you feel like you're blowing smoke, you know, but I, I'm not like I feel like 
this we are in the most exciting time for Business Central. The future, right, um, is is as bright as it's been. When we look back over the last 15, 20 years, Microsoft purchased Navision in 2002 and then continued to add and, and develop it. And I think it, it's as exciting now as, it, as it's ever been. So, Are you a fan of the cloud, DeAndre? I am. The future is cloud. No That's doubt right. about it. All right. Well, once again, if you have not listened to the podcast, go on our website or YouTube or you know iHeartRadio or Spotify, whatever it may be, or out on all the platforms and listen to uh, the podcast with us and Mike Morton. And then I believe coming up next, Deandra Wolf and the new yeah. sales pricing experience in Business Central. Yep, it's going to be fun. Hey, everybody. All right, it's time for our feature segment here. And uh, again, we're joined by special guest Deandra Wolf. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about the new sales pricing experience. Well, it's called or pricing experience, let's just call it, um, that was introduced into Business Central with version 2020 wave two. So October 2020, this, this was released. And um, so it's a new pricing experience for setting up and managing prices. Um, so welcome, Deandra. Thank you for joining us. I invited her to help uh, explain what is the new pricing experience, what are some of the new features, potential benefits of using it, and um, how, to how to get it set up and deployed. So uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. And so let's just start off really high level. So for people, uh, right, a lot of people, you know, don't aren't familiar with what when you say, oh, new pricing experience, you know, what is it? So what is it for? What is it? Or what what does it add? I guess. Honestly, I think that price better visibility across the board. Mm -hmm. um, better way to maintain your price list, especially if you have structured pricing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned price lists. Mm -hmm. So I know in currently um, there really is no no concept of price list. So like how would you go about like set what would be an example of like how you what would you set up a price list for? Like what would be an example? Um, if you're Let's say you're in distribution and you have distributor pricing, you know, based off of list price, 50% off list, 45% off list. Uh, you can create price lists based on those different price groups, um, okay. customer specific pricing, customer discount pricing, and, you know, keep it all in one place where it can be maintained, uh, ending dates, inactive, you know, there's statuses in the headers now so that you can update the lines where it's not all manual anymore. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the one of the biggest tricks in um, and again, I you know, using NAV and Business Central for years is kind of understanding. You mentioned a lot of different things there, right? You mentioned you mentioned discounts, you mentioned customer specific prices, you mentioned group pricing, like if you're a distributor. I think it's always been kind of difficult to understand the lay of the land, like what what prices are applicable for this customer? So so when you create a price list now, you're saying you 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 can create a price list and you can say this is for my distributor pricing or this is my gold customers versus my silver level customers. Correct. Or you could create a price list that is customer specific. Like these are the 20 items where this customer has like a unique price that I've kind of quoted them for these items? Right, so you could make a customer specific price list. Um, you also have the option to allow updating to the defaults of those price lists. So it can be customer for all customers, but make customer specific pricing in within the lines to multiple okay. customers. Got it. Yeah, so I noticed um, like, so one of the hard, hard parts or well, one of the so in terms of like efficiency, right? It's always been kind of difficult to let, let's say you have a customer A, 
and they've got like a list of like 50 items where you've got these prices for it. And then you get this new customer, customer B. And uh, they're kind of similar to A and you want to kind of give them the same prices that customer A has. It was kind of a hassle to, to, um, to build that new price list. Is there a way to copy a price list then? There's actually two very easy ways to do this now. Um, cop, you can start a new price list by copying the lines of an, a price list you already have, or you can also use the suggest, suggest lines, which um, you're able to pull over your entire item list or set filters um, in the options tab for pulling over groups of items. Okay. By like using an item category or specific to a vendor. All right. So yeah, that I mean that that's a huge because it, at the end of the day, when you think about a company that's up and running, they've got hundreds and hundreds of customers, maybe thousands of products that they sell. Managing those price lists has always been kind of a difficult. You you maybe have to build like a data port to export items and import them, or use like a configuration package to export your 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 prices and then import new ones. And one of the tricks has always been that there's on, on every price record you have a you have a starting date and an ending date. And a lot of people don't know when the pricing is going to change, right? So you enter a starting date on your price records and you you don't fill in the ending date. But then you get a notice that hey, November 1st um we're we're going to be updating these prices the vendors updated costs so we're going to update our pricing um it's kind of a hassle you had to like export all those records and then update the ending date and then import all the records on maybe thousands of price records yeah is there an easier way now to do that with a price list because the price lists have headers it's a priceless header you can enter the ending date and it will update all the lines within that list. There you go. So updating one field mm -hmm. can say, here's the ending date for this whole price list and the, and the thousand prices that are items that are on there. So that's huge, I think. So why was there no end date before though? Is it just because you weren't sure when the price was gonna change? Um, right, yeah, like so if you, you, you right, you create these new prices and you go, why? Well, yeah, you don't know when you're going to be updating them. So you don't want to put an end date on it. And then maybe that end date arrives, but prices haven't changed, you know, and now you've got no valid prices in the system. So so it's common that you leave that ending date blank because you, you just don't know when when prices might change. Right. Yeah. So so in that ending date was always critical, like that was the. The, the starting date and the ending date were really the only ways that you could say that a that a price was active, right, or currently valid. Um, and I think there's a new status field now. Yeah, the price lists can be, well, they start default in draft, um, and then you actually have to turn um, change the status to activate. And then you can also make them, or sorry, activate, active, and then you can make them inactive as well. Ah, so for some reason you've got all this price list out there and um, for some reason someone says, yeah, hey, hey, we're discontinuing this whole program, let's say. Uh, maybe it was a promo or just some special price list someone created. You could just flip one flag to set it to an active and all those prices become like uh, disregarded. Yeah, they're still visible to you, but the price list will be inactive, so it's no longer part of the price calculation. Okay. for best price or lowest price. So let, let's get back to that. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good point. So we're talking about all these things that have changed, but you know, what's the same? Is, it, is there still is there still sales prices, discounts and that best price logic? Yep, so that's all. So all of that's still the same. So this is just kind of a new, a new structure, a better structure, like you said, with a header, and then, and then lines that have all the items listed on it. Um, so I, I think, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the, it sounds just easier to use and to understand. Absolutely. Like, I mean, just visually seeing your prices and knowing where the price is coming from is, you know, the key point that I've noticed. 
So would you anticipate all organizations using this in the future? Eventually, they will all be using it. It'll become a, a standard. Um, but right now, when you have the option, I think it just is a matter if it meets your business model as far as your pricing structure. Yeah. Why change something if it's not broken? Well, Priceless, if you have a very structured, you know, industry pricing, this will work great for you. But if you have just quoted prices all across the board that never really match up, then Priceless isn't really for you. Um, you still have the option to do that, though, with the price lists and, and still be able to maintain it and see it visually. It will be, you know, it'll be a great thing all around, I gotcha. think. Uh, it's just easier. So like right now, so like uh, if I go into Business Central, <clears throat> I do I automatically see this like price list is enabled or what? No, it's under the new feature management. You have to actually enable it. But once you do, you cannot revert back to the old way. No. So I would always make sure you either create a copy or do it in the sandbox. Not start off in production. I'm trying to think, like, are there really any reasons, like to your point, Michael, like yeah. why would someone not right if you enable want to use going to kill your business? Lists? No, I mean, if it you, is different though, right? Like you, yeah. you, you may, you create and maintain your price list differently. Right. So I think maybe for someone who just doesn't want change. Yeah. So what, what I think in, in, um, <clears throat> so I was kind of playing around a little bit with it and it looked like, so like if I go, let's say I have a customer and they're in my gold price group, but then I've also set up like five items with like unique custom pricing for them. Mm -hmm. What it looks like I can do is I can go to the customer card and I can still hit sales prices and it'll still show me those five items that I have the unique prices, but I can also go to uh, price lists in the system automatically shows me a list of these are the price lists that are applicable right now for this customer. Correct. Which is which is nice. So right. it only shows the ones that are applicable. Applicable. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So before, like, if you were to say to me, without this new feature, if you were to say, "Hey, what what prices are per currently applicable for Canon Group?" You know, this mm -hmm. customer in the demo, Cronus Cronus database. There's really no way to know that to see it. Like, you'd have to go. Okay, well, they're in this. They're in this uh, uh, price group, and they're in, uh, th these are the custom prices that are set up. But you actually could have like multiple price groups just from a management standpoint. Like for example, maybe your company like the Cronus company, they sell furniture, bicycles and electronics, right? So you may actually have three separate price lists, one for each of those product lines. And, and right, so now you could have three price lists, plus maybe they're a gold customer for bicycles. So they get these extra lower prices because they buy a lot of bicycle stuff, but they don't buy a lot of electronic stuff, right? So they don't get any special pricing in that. I think the price list, it looks like it gives you a nice clean like list that goes, hey, this customer currently is eligible for these price lists here. So can you select, do you know, do either of you know if you can select price lists that are not applicable? I can't say the word applicable to whatever it is you're doing or you they wouldn't even select? show up on their list if it wasn't for all on. customers customers specific or they belong to that price group you can't make a mistake nice right yeah it still provides the uh like the lowest or best price yeah. is what gets automatically applied and i noticed a field i don't know if you know uh deandra if you know like on the um i thought this was interesting if you go into sales and receivables setup, mm -hmm. there's a few new fields on there. And one of them, one of them is called price calculation method. But there's only one option. It's called lowest price. So any insights in why they added that new field there? Um, there you can have um, a partner or an ISV do alternative pricing logic. That can be implemented. I think that came out previously in a different wave, and this is this priceless structure was built off of that. Ah, 
Okay. All right. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a more structured way, like uh, like in the past we like I know we had done an, like uh, one example is we had a customer that said, all right, I've got this price list for this customer, um, but I've got these 20 custom prices that I quoted to them. And maybe on like 10 or 15, let's say 15 of the items, they get a, a lower price, right? A better price because they're going to be buying a lot of these. But then on five of the items, I'm actually going to charge them more because they're not going to buy them as often. And I want to make up some margin by charging them a little bit extra when they purchase those products. In, a, in the standard Business Central lowest price model, you needed an enhancement or an app, right? An extension to do that. So it, it seems like now there's a more, this price calculation method, you could actually create a new price calculation method, right? Mm -hmm. And then add your extension to just use that. So it's a more formal way of identifying that you're using a, a different set of pricing logic, like mm -hmm. a, a, a modified pricing engine, if you will. Right. Um, to say, yeah, if there's a if there's a customer specific price, even if it's more, let's use that. But before, without the price lists or without this new field, the only way anyone would ever know that is by knowing that there was an enhancement that was done that modified the standard logic. Otherwise, you have no. Idea. It was buried. Otherwise, you would have no idea, no visibility that the standard logic wasn't being used. So this gives you more visibility is what you're saying. Right. I think across the board, it gives you way better visibility to your prices from what you've said. Like to, for a typical user to go in and understand what are the price lists that, that are active for this customer right now. Right. And then way easier management and maintenance of those as prices change each year. Yeah, updating prices, adding in new parts, um, price, price increases. It's all definitely easier than having to go to do like a rapid start and uploading it all that way. Yeah, I can so, tell. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say so. If you're a customer and you don't have this feature enabled, can you go in and just enable the feature and it's all going to work perfectly? Or is, do you know if there's some setup involved? Or we would just be creating your price lists, That's so it. they could enable it. They'd have their default, and then they would just need to start creating their price lists. Um, usually, making sure you know ahead of time, you know your pricing structure, so you know exactly what you're doing, and then creating them from there. But I, the setup of creating those price lists is is definitely much quicker than it would be um, in the current. Average yeah, user know how to do it then, or would they need like a five minute video or something like that? It's. I it's mean, be a little bit different, we can provide training on that, of course. Yeah, but it, well, it yeah, is I mean, pretty. It is pretty easy once you just start getting in there playing with it. I mean, the suggest it's all very simple. It's not overcomplicated. So suggest, you know, lines, copy lines. Um, the header information works just as you know, header information and every other aspect of uh, Business Central. I get from every from everything we've just talked about and and what I looked at real briefly uh, just before today and having trained users on the old way of setting up pricing and, and updating prices, I can tell you 100% certainty that the new, this new priceless feature is easier and more intuitive yeah. to learn how to do. Yeah, I'm sure there's just like anything else, there's training. Yeah. Someone's gonna probably need a little bit of guidance, maybe a little 15 minute training video on, on how it works, but compared to like deer in a headlights looks <laughs> yeah. that I would get when I go, okay, open up the sales price worksheet and run suggest item prices and now implements prices yeah. and like, what? <laughs> Why so many steps? So I, I think it looks, to me, it looks way better. After I've been using it now for a couple of weeks, I would definitely prefer to use this over the yeah. old way for yeah. sure. Well, thank you, Deandra. We appreciate you joining us. More importantly, we appreciate you bringing the beer. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. So next up, we've got uh, to change, change directions a little bit. We're going to talk about our past beers. Ooh, so. this is, I've been waiting for this all day.
And we're back for a special beer segment since, uh, you know, we like beer and it seems to be a fan favorite. <laughs> we had a lot of comments on the beer. Um, we have a little chart here where we keep we keep uh, everything kind of organized, what beers we've drank and what the ratings have been for each beer and the the overall rating and, and, and whatnot. So uh, it turns out I'm looking at it right now. And I updated this as of today, so my my numbers might be just a little bit different than yours. The average beer rating that I have given beers is 79.41. Mm-hmm. Ken's is 80.80. Less than one point difference. Yes, less than overall. one point difference. Uh, which is interesting. I'm assuming, though, because I've rated a couple beers pretty bad, and most of my other ones are probably a little bit higher. Yeah, which kind of balances specifically it out. the Brooklyn special effects non-alcoholic beer, oh, which God. you gave a nineteen. <laughs> if you if you remove that one, you have a higher rating than I do. Yeah, I give it a it's, nineteen. It's that it's that much of a of a difference. I did give it a nineteen. That if you remove that one rating, your average is higher than mine. Yeah. But either way, we are almost identical. Yeah, which in is, terms of our overall average rating, which is kind of funny when you when you think about it. And I I did some comparisons in our, our, our of all of our guests. You've also captured our the, the the different beers that are that our guests have brought and rated. And our average guest rating was eighty three point five. Really. So which makes sense to me that they're, that's higher because, because they brought beer. that beer. Yeah, I would so think it actually be a little it bit should higher be 90, than that. Yeah. Right. Um, they're trying to make an impression, bring bring a good beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I, I also have a couple other interesting things I noted. Now I, I should point out, you've been keeping this list, but up until this month, I've never seen it. Yeah, he was so, not. So, so when we every month give our rating on on that month on that beer we're drinking, I have no idea really, yeah. like what I've rated other beers. So now I kind of feel like I'm cheating a little bit because I can now refer to this and I I can sort mine and yeah. see like, well, what did I give this beer? And well, this one's better than that. So but I can, is, is that cheating or is that actually making it more accurate? Probably more accurate. Right. Yeah. That's what I, I would think. say more accurate for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think what we'll do too is I'm going to actually put a link to a, the Power BI chart, so everybody else can see all the beers we've drank and our ratings for each one. Yep. But uh, so I have, we have, um, I, I rated. The funny thing is, we we've we've each rated different beers. Yeah, there's some that you drank that I didn't drink. Right. We where we had like a variety pack or or different options and and you right yeah. or or a couple lockdown during the pandemic. Yeah, lockdown <laughs> beers. Um. So so we didn't we don't have all of them where we both rated them. Um, so of the ones though that we both rated, uh, there was 24 yeah. of those. Ten of them you rated higher, really, and 14 I rated higher. So still a pretty balanced, it's pretty close, pretty balanced. Uh, I would imagine approach. the ones that I rated higher are probably more toward different tasting beers. Where yours might be more towards traditional beers. I can tell you which ones were yours. <laughs> the Dynamo Copper Lager, Fat Tire, Flat Tire, <laughs> Ten Fitty Barrel Aged Beer, Angry Orchard Cider, oh. <laughs> Fuel Cafe Coffee Flavored Stout. Yeah, that was good. Kentucky Vanilla Barrel Cream Ale. Not bad. Sam Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout. Okay. Groove Grove, which was like a banana yeah. beer. Uh, Budweiser and Trader Joe's Provincial Gold Nail. So yeah, a lot of the flavored. Yeah, um, I, a lot of the flavor. I, I would ones. imagine that too. I actually you rated. Tried well, the PBR coffee flavored one. The PBR one? Yeah. No. It's actually not bad. Really? And I, I would uh, never think that I would want to drink one of those. Really? See, I love coffee. So anytime you can infuse coffee with certain things. Except for tequila. You guys ever had tequila coffee? Yeah. Oh, wasn't that good? No. no it was pretty popular like for a couple years back. That like, reminds me of like those, didn't Budweiser make like a, a, a tequila beer? 
Oh, it was like no. beer really? with like tequila mixed into it. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. I know they were doing the margaritas with the beer. Oh, is it yeah. margarita and beer mixed that, together? And they would just stick the beer bottle on the side so it was like infused with it. Oh, I've seen those with the Corona bottles. Uh -huh. That's no, pretty good. They, well, they do it with Budweiser. This was in a can, like, yeah, a can of Bud Light or Bud. I haven't with, seen that. With mar maybe it was margarita. I've seen the, the margarita drinks, though. That's what you're yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. Where they actually serve the whole glass, yeah, the whole with, glass the with the beer hanging I've seen it with the two, yeah. Uh -huh. but yeah, so that, I mean, that really makes sense that I, I mean, you know, I'm not a huge beer drinker, although my palate has definitely been expanded over the past couple <laughs> years. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's some, though, like Corona that I'm sure I rated higher than you, which, well, you didn't drink it anyway, so. No, I didn't, right. Yeah. So the ones, a couple noteworthy ones. So the ones that we, where we had the closest rankings, there were three where we were one point away. It was Carlsberg, Danis Pilsner. Uh, that was the highest, 93 and a 94. Oktoberfest from Sierra Nevada, we had 87 and 88. It's pretty good, I remember it there. And then the Fuel Cafe, 84 and 83. So those were the closest. The, the the widest uh, discrepancy between our ratings. Yeah. Um, your you gave ninety a ninety two to the ten fifty barrel aged beer. This was like the fourteen percent. Yeah, strong, strong yeah. like stout <laughs> beer. Yeah. It was like drinking motor oil. Uh, <laughs> and and I gave that a forty nine. Because wow. I, I I was not about to crack open a second. So it's nice to get to the second yeah. one. Yeah. Did you finish uh, the first? I I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> barely. Uh, so that was a forty-three point uh, difference. Pretty, pretty big swing. Yeah. Um, but and then the other way, I gave a sixty-five to the Brooklyn Special Effects non-alcoholic beer. Oh God. And you gave it a nineteen. So that was the biggest difference at 46. Can that even be rated as a beer since it's not alcoholic? <laughs> it said beer on the can. So last podcast, though, you I know you don't have these numbers. We did the Tomy Half Acre Beer. Mm -hmm. You rated it a 94, which is shockingly high for what I thought. Yeah. I gave it a 68. That's pretty big, pretty big swing, too. That is, You know, yeah. 26 points. So. No, I like that. It was a nice, uh, well-balanced, uh, hazy IPA. Yeah, the initial sip was great. It's just the aftertaste. Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. I do feel like seeing your <laughs> list now will actually make your ratings more accurate. Because if you rated that one 94 and all of a sudden you're like, this is really good. Like, I have this way before I chose that other one. Yeah, like Maybe. I'm looking at it right now. I can tell you. Uh, this is going to be an 89. Um, what are you comparing and, it to? Not even in the 90s? What are you comparing it to? So, uh, oh wait, I'm, I was looking at the wrong, I was looking at your ratings. Hold on, I screwed that up. <laughs> um, yeah, down 80, to 78. Yeah, uh, hold on, 90, I take that back, it's gonna be a 91, because it's definitely better than a fat tire. But it is not as good as a Centennial IPA or Carlsberg Danish Pilsner. So that would be a 91 or 92 right in there. So out of curiosity, mm -hmm. if you had to choose a beer, any beer that you would love to drink, what would be the one? Yeah. So uh, historically now, my highest rated beer is a Three Floyds Zombie Dust. There is a, 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 there are, however, that's, his, I say historically, because that was one of the original, going back 10, 15 years, IPAs, you know, like an American pale ale. That was one of the original ones that, that was so hoppy and had that kind of fruity, citrusy, uh, the, the citra hops. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, there's, there's, there's like 100 options. Mm -hmm. So Brickstone uh, APA yep. is, is like just as good so like there's there's now there's like a dozen right. that i probably would would rate all like a like a hazy like a lot of these hazy ipas or Amer actually technically it's an american pale ale 
as the category. I'm not a big fan of IPAs. So. What is your highest rated? Uh, I don't know. High beer? Probably yeah. Corona. Your highest rated beer is Corona tied with Dynamo Copper Lager and Zombie Dust. Yeah, looking back on it, I probably would have rated Zombie Dust a little bit lower now. That was that was our first beer. Yep. Same with Fat Tire. That was that was early in the season two, early in the podcast. I'd probably I'd probably go a little bit lower on that. Yeah. Just by looking at it. But Corona stays the same. <laughs> I love my Corona. <laughs> I, ironically, Michael's highest two ratings actually are non-beer options. It's, <laughs> it's a Jack and Coke. Yeah, there you go. Is his highest, and then uh, Weller uh, Special Reserve Bourbon uh, that we had. That was the wrong one, yeah. So those are actually his two highest, or not even beer, <laughs> which is hysterical. <laughs> what about this beer? What's everybody going to give a rating for this one? I'm going to go 91. 91? I mean, oh, I... oh, 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 oh. So if, if it's below 50, that means you can only drink the one you're not cracking over a second one. Above 50 means you'll, you can drink more than one. Well, I, would I imagine brought I beer because yeah. I love it, so I'm going to give it a 95. Wow. I don't Favorite know what beer? would be in that five. Yeah. Oh. I mean, right after that would be a Coors Light <laughs> or a Magic Cat number nine. A Coors Light? <laughs> I just told Ken I had one this past weekend. <laughs> Magic Cat's pretty good, too. I never heard of that. It's a, from a brewery in Vermont, I believe. So I gave Fat Tire 92. I gave the Carlsberg a 93, which I feel I probably would have dropped those by a point or two. Uh, actually like this beer a lot, so I'm going to give this one a 93. It's a pretty good beer. I like it. Definitely yeah, reminds me of a, a hoppy blue moon. Yeah, I like it. I was, I was kind of nervous coming in because I think we said bring something interesting and exciting, and you just never know what you're going to get. Right. And well, I'm a beer drinker, someone. so, yeah. and I'm not going to bring something I wouldn't like. I don't like. He brought a non-alcoholic beer. You did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I why? Just you, you liked to, it. Just you know, you got to try different things and <laughs> see what sticks. I mean, if it's a non-alcoholic beer, I wouldn't even call it a beer at that point, right? Yeah, it was just pretty, a beverage. It was, gave it a 19. It was pretty bad. You gave it a 19. No, what's funny, though, is, you know, you guys are beating up on my non-alcoholic beer. Uh, but the reality is that I would rather drink a non-alcoholic beer, particularly the Brooklyn special effects variety that we had. I would rather drink that than a 1050 barrel-aged beer or really? a Trader Joe's Provincial Golden Ale. Who, uh, that was pretty who bad. brought that? Who brought that beer? Well, we're not going to talk about what. But but the the ten fifty. I brought the ten fifty. The ten fifty <laughs> was. I mean, it's just strong. Yeah. Like had it was our you, first barrel aged beer. Had you had it before you no, brought it? No. Oh, so it was a surprise for both of you. Yeah. So it's not like you brought your favorite beer and expected. No, somebody but else. I mean, I knew the alcohol yeah. content was going to be higher. All barrel aged beers. The it's, it's stronger, you know what I mean? Yeah, the 14% ABV on the side yeah. of the can also. Yeah. yeah, you don't like stronger or higher alcohol content beers. No. no. See, I'll I would drink, definitely drink the 1050 before that. If I want something stronger like that, I'll, I'll drink booze, like a vodka <laughs> right drink or, or bourbon or whiskey or something. Hence my two highest rated drinks. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't waste my time with strong beer. Uh, ah, yeah, you got to try it out there every now and then. It's, it's funny because... We've talked about in the past. I think that it's hard going into Binnie's or, or, or a liquor store and picking out a beer that you haven't really tried. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they all seem the same now. So that's why you got to go on a brewery tour and start sampling, getting flights at all of them so you know what you're buying when you get back. Yeah. If they're sold, obviously, at Binnie's. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see, though. Maybe a future future remote podcast. Well, now I'm armed with all this all this good information. So going forward, hopefully I'll be able to provide a consistent, accurate rating. All right. That means it's time for us to wrap it up. We got the ratings. We talked about the new sales price experience. 
Business Central News. Uh, we reviewed what we thought about the uh, Mike Morton interview. Once again, check it out if you haven't heard it. And uh, I think that's about it. So, adios. Adios. DeAndre, thanks for joining us. We truly appreciate it. It's been fun. <laughs> Talk to everybody later. Bye. As we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again, and uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at solsyst.com with your tips for the podcast, or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.